Hollywood's top actor. Britain's craziest scientist. Relax. A hot tub repair. Where the heck's my duct tape? Hypochondriac <laughs> doctor. Social media influencer. Former hostage negotiator. <laughs> Too much? Two stowaways. This guy. Yeah, I don't know what my job is on this ship. This crew would be lucky to make it to the supermarket. But they're not going to the supermarket. They're going to Neptune! Sausages! Ugh, I'm totally not dressed for a run. Perfect. You cannot just shut the ship down because someone stole your lunch. Did you reject anyone who applied to this mission? Are those nincompoops on Neptune yet? Venturing to the edge of the galaxy, their greatest discoveries will be the lessons they learn from each other. You don't win anything when you win a meaningless argument. Spreading rumors and gossip is dangerous stuff. Sometimes the biggest thing you can give somebody Here's a bit of your time. That or an auxiliary water tank for when the government tries to put fluoride back in the water system. Okay, welcome back everybody to your creativity. Um, it's Dylan on, an, on a Monday morning interview and we're chatting with the puppet designer for BYU TV's new show, Nine Years to Neptune. We are here with Dallin Blankenship. How are you? Doing so good. How are you? Good. Here, I'm doing. I'm doing great. I've got a big family trip coming up, so I'm just counting the days till that. Where are you going? We're going to Italy. Wow, that's yeah. super cool. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you going okay. there for the the cheese? Pasta? I don't know. I've never been to Italy. I don't know what you go to Italy for, um, but I, I would love to I, go someday. I haven't been before either. I'm going going for it all. So um, I'm part okay. part Italian. My last name is Mazziotti. So, you know, hope to run into okay. some other folks with that surname. <laughs> but yeah, some, just counting the cousins, days for that. Possibly. Yep. That sounds really exciting. Wow. Yeah, uh, yeah it's going to be awesome. Venice and Rome and all that. But we're, we're here for you not to talk vacations. Um, so tell us a little bit uh, about the show, Nine Years Till Neptune, and how you got I mean, involved. It sounds fun, though. OK, a little bit the about the show. Oh, it's a family comedy. Uh, like, the log for it is, is the office comedy uh, for the family, kind of very reminiscent of like the office as it's like a mockumentary type show. So it's a lot of fun. I don't, I've seen a lot of it already. You can, you can stream it all right now on the BYU TV app. So it's really easy and that app's free. You really have no excuse not to watch the show. It's just so easy to get access to, you know? They might as well be broadcasting it to your brain. So the other part of your question, how did I get involved? Um, so this, this is a project that has been in development for years and I got involved with the creators of the show, the McKellar brothers in about 2016, they were working on a commercial campaign for an internet security, an internet security company called Sophos in which they did a whole puppet campaign with all these kooky puppet characters 
that were all, you know, idiots and the IT managers had to sit there and fix all their problems. So I got involved with that by building all the puppets and then puppeteering them. And then from there, that was kind of the launching off point for Neptune because their gears started turning and they were like, we want to do something more with all these characters that we, you know, built and developed and, and created. And so from there, they started putting together a pitch, a pitch packet uh, of, of a possible show that eventually got pitched to BYU TV. And then, which sounds, I mean, which BYU TV accepted, but even at that point, it was a couple years before anything really happened, which is, which was insane. Cause I thought like you pitch a show and they say, great. And then you just, you just start making the show, but that wasn't the case. It was, I would say years of selling the show and, and developing different parts of it, developing the characters, developing the different stories and, just the overall show went through so many iterations that, you know, took the course of a year before. So it was from, you know, we didn't start building the puppets till like the end of 2020. So it took, it took, yeah, three years to actually speak. like to lift off, so to speak. So speaking of the characters, there's like so. 11, 11 or so different uh, puppet characters. Yeah, there's 11. And um, what would you like to know about them? Yeah, uh, they're all fun. I've watched the first two episodes this morning, prepping oh, cool. uh, for the episode. So um, so I assume the creators created stuff, uh, you know, their backgrounds and everything. But what what were some like some of the struggles and high points of create, you know, going through and figuring out each character? Character build. So I think everyone kind of had its own individual struggle both on like the design side of it and then the fabrication side of it. Um, their designs, early on, we wanted them to look different than just the Muppets. We wanted to make sure that we didn't, you know, overlap with like existing like puppet shows already. And there's a lot of them. So there's a lot to look out for and a lot to kind of, you know, navigate around. So in a way, like my background is not only puppets, but it's also animation. So when it came to designing these characters, I worked with a buddy named Danny Russin, who's very talented, very good at designing characters. And so we worked together on kind of designing these characters as if it was an animated TV show. And so that was our approach. So like using the original character designs um, for the commercial, which was designed by another guy named John Jackson, who was also an animation buddy. So we used um, those original characters plus like what the characters have become for this new show, reading the scripts, reading the, the, the pitch Bible and the story Bible um, and trying to like figure out what, what's kind of like with all these characteristics they have, what's the physical manifestation of that. So with, I don't know, there's 11 characters. So each, so that's why like with, with Dale, who's one of my favorite characters, he's got like, the nose he does, he has a consistently worried look. I mean, literally sewn onto his face, this worried look where you like look at him and you know that this guy is is not having a good time, which was which was the intent. So he's like the narcissistic, not narcissistic, the what's the word for um, um, always feels like they're sick? Uh, hypochondriac. Yeah, hypochondriac. So he's like the <laughs> hypochondriac guy um he's always thinking that something's going to kill him or that he's going to get some rare blood disorder um 
so we we just excuse me so we designed the character i mean the actual you know just on the paper we wanted to make sure that that came across and so fabricating that and making sure those details came across was you know we looked at every little detail like the shape of the hands the color of the skin tone making it kind of gray and a little bit you know a neutral tone to where it still looked like skin tone but also he kind of needed to look sickly all the time giving him kind of a reddish nose and the eyebrows kind of always being a little bit furrowed and the hair you know i don't know it's where we just really wanted these characters to be iconic and to be readable at just a quick glance so i mean and all of them had to be that way so yeah. another character we built yeah so i could i, I just prattle on quite a lot no go on i want to i hear more about these characters i love them um so and then like you know some of them i think in a way dale was hard but he was out of the out of them like being that he was a hypochondriac and that he was worried you know the other the other dimension of that so to speak is is how do you make somebody who is decidedly in a way one dimension play completely flat so that's the element of designing and building these characters making sure they have have room to grow throughout the story so that as they build relationships they're not just hitting one note all the time which is in many ways like in the writing of the show but also like you could design a character that like you know even though you'd want to push them in a direction that would be you know having more depth having more more dimensionality you 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 can't because they're just their character the way they look like shoehorns them into like just being one thing so that was the other like consideration with designing the characters i think i've i've never sounded more pretentious than right now <laughs> i think this is the talk about these things um no, this is but this was my life for like a year or more like thinking about this and like designing these characters so we got we got real deep we yeah. Um, no, the robot. I think no one will appreciate what. Yeah, Philippe. So that was one character. Uh, um, like kind of. You want me to dive into kind of like his his the thinking behind him? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> he was somebody that we designed, and then we shipped off to another, but. He was like he was the only one that wasn't built kind of in-house we we okay. recruited a man named pasha romanski from Ma oh man i just butchered his name i'm sorry pasha we we, we my buddy Pasha, um who has a call because he's really good at mechanisms and he's really he's just such a just a talented craftsman that it was a character that needed a lot of time and a lot of attention and the, the amount of time it took us to build our team to build all of the the, the remaining ten characters and all of their iterations um, and their clones, it took him just as much time just to build the two robots that we have for the show. And there's only one robot character, but to clarify, we built multiples of all the puppets so that we could be able to to switch them out quickly if one broke. You know, we could stage them to where. The wardrobe people were able to dress them up in the costume for the next scene so that we could quickly grab the next puppet you know 
some some had like versions that were just for a specific scene like i think it's no it's it's coming I'm, i won't spoil anything but yeah there, there, there was a, a copy of some of the puppets that yeah it's a, it's a secret can't share <laughs> that um so yeah we had some puppets that like one scene we built an entire puppet just for one scene which we talked long and hard about because of how much work that is and so it, it had to be worth it and i think it was i've seen the episode i think it plays well and it is kind of like a pivotal moment but yeah so i mean that is one thing with the puppets is if you want them to do certain things sometimes you've got to build you know special parts special pieces and in some cases an entire puppet just to to do that one thing which is why puppets are why not everybody's doing puppets so but more about the robot so the robot was great because like he was the one character that we wanted to like um have all these different things so we want him to be able to close his eyes we wanted that mouth to flash kind of like obviously we we stole heavily from futurama um, i was gonna say that's yeah. how bender's mouth <laughs> it does so we like ripped that off completely but we thought it was such a fun gag and worked really well with the show He has these hands, which I don't lamp, which is super fun. Um, and they interchange, like they like pop off and different arms can pop on to do different things. He's got a whole lower half that like is, is so well constructed and on its own kind of looks like a, an old school Nintendo. And then he, he has some things that we haven't, we did even for the second, the first season we didn't use. So, and hopefully we get other seasons and we can, we can utilize some of that stuff, but it's such a, it's such a beautiful puppet and so well-made. Um, and uh, yeah, and Andy who puppeteered him did such a good job of like bringing him to life with his, his robot French accent. So yeah, he's, <laughs> he's a great puppet. So the other puppets are. What's are one another and... of my, my favorite puppets. Yes, they're all hand puppets. And like, we had that discussion as well. Like we wanted the puppets because some like, you know, Fozzie Bear, for example, has like glove hands where you actually put a hand inside of the puppet's hand and you and can you control it. So we were like, are there characters we want to do that? But we decided to have all the characters be, you know, rod hands. And then also um, they're all basically big mouth puppets um, like the Jim Henson style. And only besides Philippe, the only other puppet that has like a mechanism is Burke, who's like the jock, like the the captain of the ship, uh, Captain Burke Mullen, and he's just got that little bit of a the, the eyebrow, eyebrow raise, <laughs> which Pasha also did. Yeah, yeah. So he can be like, I can't do it in real life. He can be, yeah. And yeah, the eyebrow we, is a nice touch, because with. Yeah, yeah, it really fits and it got you like we were like, let's just do it. Let's I mean, think that would be fun. And then that that puppeteering was done by Nate Beagle, um, who did such a great job and like loved the eyebrow mech. And it wasn't supposed to do it as much, but then it became like this iconic thing that that character always did, which was way fun. So it was, yeah. It was I, also, awesome. I also love that his abs were named. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's got a name for all of his apps. He's obsessed with fitness. He um, always is drinking a protein shake. He's, he's classic, classic Burke. That's just who he is down to his core. He's got, I mean, his hair, which this part of his hair was like special custom made just by like somebody like went and weaved it so that we could put it in there and stuff. It was like, it's, it's the hair's great. And that was spearheaded by Lindsay Gadget who did all the wardrobe for the whole show. Yeah, who did such a fantastic job. She did. Um, uh, such a, such a team that. effort, this whole show. Yeah, I saw the, the making of- Did you see a little featurette her. about her? Yeah. Um, how, how closely did you work together? Because you had to get the pipe, uh, puppet shapes just right for her stuff to fit just right. Did she, you build first and then she built on top of it or, or some collaboration before? Yes. There was some collaboration. Well, because like she was like, we designed like the, Danny and I designed the costumes, but then that was just kind of the standard costumes. And some of the characters had, like in Kashmir's case, there's like 30 extra costumes besides like the one that she's like designed in. So like she had a lot to do as far as just designing these, all of these alternate looks that a lot of the characters had. Because they, they do all different kooky stuff on the ship. And a lot of that requires a costume change. So she she built like a hundred plus costumes. It was insane. So she was like, just, she never had a moment to, to stop. She was always going, always looking for like the right material. Um, and this was her first time like designing and building for puppets. So she, I was always like trying to help um, kind of like, I guess I was the one, I guess I wasn't helping much cause I was the one throwing a wrench in everything because I'd be like, it got, it has to move more. You, this needs to articulate more. This is gonna hold up things too much. And so she was always mad at me because I was always telling her to find, find a different material that stretched more or give more room in other places. So, which definitely frustrated, but we worked literally close together. I mean, we were working, we rented a studio space and we literally worked in the same studio. And we thought at first, we would be able to just build like um, shapes because all of these characters were were designed and patterned. And so we were like, we can just build a one-off just for the costuming and she'll be able to use it. But then quickly found out that that wouldn't work, that it just wasn't the same as like building on the finished puppet because things moved around, arm placement moved, the fabric we built over the puppet, you know, ended up making some of the puppets bigger. Also just like, just the look you needed to be able to be informed by like, how is this actually sitting on the puppet? So she did a lot of design at, at first and found a lot of materials. And then we were trying to get things as finished as possible that she, so she could jump in and start using the actual puppets um, to design off of. So she we shot the pilot and she was still designing and still building costumes for the rest of the season. She like, at the end, she like pulled she like didn't sleep for a week just trying to get things done it was it was a marathon wow yeah wow so do not envy her but, but one of the sounds, no sounds like no she no, learned no a lot though <laughs> yeah she did uh, she learned a lot but she 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 brought it and then like kind of a cool thing she she did all that and then she got recruited by 
legacy effects like halfway through shooting the first season which i don't know if you know who they are they're like a big they used to be stan winston um oh okay effects down in la they're like the company it's like the company that made um the terminator the dinosaurs for jurassic park so like she went from doing puppet costumes to you know making stuff for i don't know what she made it for probably something with you know with disney involved i would imagine some some big high budget thing so it was um yeah was the show filmed here in utah it was just down the street actually i mean just down the street from cosmic here and west valley just a little sound stage i think it was just an old factory that they made into a sound stage and that that filled the entirety of the factory it was it's a big set it like raises we raised the set three and a half feet so that we could dig trenches um for all the puppeteers to stand in and so they wouldn't have to like lay on the floor which there was a lot of anyway because we didn't we we mold around where we should build trenches where we should put pits so that the puppeteers could stand in them but the directors didn't want it everywhere because like a lot of it they were like well we want to see the floor so this will limit our our shot excuse me again so there was a lot of like debate of where where to put pits yeah and another one of those making up making of videos yeah you're like on a a flat bed and leaning up and everything how did your back feel at the end of those days yeah yeah yeah, (laughs) absolutely we we had a not great we did have an onset masseuse for when you had those those big long days you were able to like jump in the chair and and get a massage i think the worst one where there was they built this big hallway that we could we could you know change into different hallways um and so for this it was all of us running all these puppet characters running down through the set um screaming and yelling and so in order to achieve that they built this big rolling platform for us to sit on um and and be able to puppeteer but i was like on the back of the cart and i had to like sit in a way because you're like you're not only sitting uncomfortably but you're also contorting your body to get the puppet up in the shot but also you got to get your big noggin out of the way too so you're like just you know you're like ducking down your hands up and i had my back in a way and like it, it was by the end of the day like i could barely walk just from like the shape i had to like to create of my body so that yeah. i could perform and not be in the shot for the camera it was pretty intense so you your arms sore and then like I found my elbow always would get sore because I'd be lying on myself. You're there for several hours trying to do a take. And, you know, by the end of it, things would be real sore. So thank you for asking. It does hurt. <laughs> Did you end up collapsing at night and just sleep at the studio? No, I thought about it though. Cause we, sh- I mean, like we had 12 hour days and I do live in Provo. So I would have to like, you know, it was an hour there, an hour back. So it was like 14 hour days. But I wanted to leave us. I wanted to go see my family. I wanted to leave that studio so bad every night because yeah. it was just <laughs> so much work. And it was it's a ton of fun. But at the same time, you do anything for 14 hours and you're like, 
I need a decided break and then I'm gonna leave and then I'll come back fresh, fresh-ish, you know. How many different characters did you perform? So I did, I, I mean, like I will, I have one character that I, I is mine, um, but we had a few characters, we had a few puppeteers actually get COVID right at the beginning. So I filled in for one of the characters, RJ, um, and then one, and then we transitioned back to him, which was a good choice because he's very good. Um, so I have one character. My, my character is Harold. He's like the old man character. And I'm biased, uh, but he's, he's the <laughs> best one. Aside from that, how else did COVID uh, affect the production? It affected a ton. Like I've been part of like productions before, commercial shoots and such. And like, usually, usually film, film sets can be kind of like, if there's a lot of camaraderie and, and there's a lot of like, it's, it can be kind of a party, so to speak, but COVID, COVID's a big bummer. So like we were, we did every day. Um, and then except for like the performers would take them off for sound, you know, so that our, our vocal performance could be unmuffled. Um, but besides that, for the most part, we were just in masks, having to socially distance, which is really hard when you're on a on a set. And there's always a ton of people because you have the grips, you have electrical, you have the directors, you have the set dressers, you have the wardrobe. So there's all these people that are trying to do a job. So you always had to have a mask on. Crafty, you had to have somebody get your food for you. I don't know. It it's it 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 ended up feeling it added a level of stress, I would say. Because like there were sure. several times where like in production, it didn't happen a ton, but like somebody on like somebody would get COVID or like they would test positive. And so like you'd have to rearrange things. Everything would everybody'd have to get like tested again and make sure things were okay. It 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 was an added stress for sure. Um you also helped on another BYU TV show, Making Good with uh, Kirby Hayborn we've had him on yeah um, and you were the story producer tell us about that so i was i mean story producer i was really just a glorified researcher because making okay. good is a fun sh is like a show that like kirby would go and um kind of the like slate so he'd go there dive in and then he would do what they do to kind of show exactly, you know, the effect it had on other people, but also just to show how challenging it is at times. And so I was, you know, for the first season and part of the second season, I was the guy researching and trying to find the shows and, and trying to connect. I mean, the producer in a sense that I was like reaching out to them, calling them and, and trying to see if these organizations were a good fit for the show. So that was fun. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun show. I really, really enjoy it. Um, and I love inspiring stuff. Yeah. I listen to TED Talks and all that all the time just to. Um, you are also a co-author yeah, on a absolutely. book called Dressing the Naked Hand. Um, you wrote that with a couple yes. of other people back. It came out in 2014, 15. Yeah. Tell us about it. Yeah, yeah. It's It's been a minute. So um, me, Amy, and Mark, were the three co-authors 
Um, she was, Amy was the one who really was the one who spearheaded the book. She was the one who pitched it to the publisher and, and got them on board. And then we collaborated together to get the right information on it because the publisher wanted like the best puppet, um, puppet building and puppet performing book out there. And so we collaborated on what we wanted in the book, you know, what we wanted the book to teach, what we wanted um, people to learn. I mean, it is a basics book. So like, we don't dive into like really any of the advanced stuff. We're hoping to follow it up with another book that can kind of do that more, more advanced stuff and, and show more difficult techniques, you know, that are, that are going to make your puppets be a little more custom. But this was more of like trying to get people um, kind of that first step into puppet building, learning the basics, learning like how to construct a, a puppet, how to design it, how to like create a show, how to make a stage. So we, yeah, it was a lot of fun. She, she She's the one who came up with the title, which I think is a lot of fun, um, dressing the naked hand, because a lot of us are just walking around with naked hands and nobody says anything about it. A lot more people <laughs> need puppets because they're yeah. indecent. <laughs> um, we have bonus questions at the end, but I'm going to ask this one now because it kind of fits. Uh, who's your favorite Muppet and why? Yeah. I know they say, um, there's so many good ones. And this includes any Jim Henson created one. So Sesame Street, um, Labyrinth, Fraggle Rock, Muppets, oh. yeah. Yoda. Okay. <laughs> it's, I would say Red Fraggle is definitely one of my favorites. Red Fraggle is like such an boisterous character. The simplicity of the design is so, is so nice. Like the Fraggles in general, I, I, I grew up not really watching a lot of Sesame Street or Muppets, but I freaking loved the Fraggles. I just loved the world they lived in, their community, like the whole thing was just a lot of fun. Um, and like Red Fraggle was always somebody that like I, I wanted to be like and wanted to like emulate because she is so energetic and so positive. And then like the design is, I mean like the thing about the Muppets that I think is just so incredible um, because they do, they do build some big complicated intricate characters. I mean like the Labyrinth and Dark Crystal, there are these characters that are like you know, so, you know, they have all these details, like the Skeksis, they have like that, just such a unique and just intricate look, but like the Muppets themselves are so simple, but yet they're able to make them look so distinct and their characters come off so easily. A lot of that's the performance, but a lot of that's just the way they're designed. They look so good and so simple and that's so challenging. It's, it's so easy to like sit there and like just add things and add things and add things. But the, the less you add, the harder it is to really create something that can speak to, you know, people. I don't, and I think a lot of that's Jim Henson. 
And I think a lot of it's like those early puppet builders who kind of set the stage. Like one of my favorite um, people in the world and somebody that I, uh, you know, always look up to, even though he's dead, is Don Celine, who is basically the guy that like would take a sketch from Jim Henson, which in many cases was like a doodle on a napkin and then translate that into like this full fleshed out character, you know? Like Rolf the dog, Rolf the dog. It's it's such a, it's like an, it's just like two ovals, a circle and then a line with ears. And then like, he took that and like made this, this character that like anybody, the people who don't know the Muppets would, would be able to recognize it and be like, ah, oh, it's Rolf the dog, even though they don't know where it's from. I don't know. Sorry, it's a little bit more than you asked for, but no, yes. No, no, totally fine. I, I could go on. I think Red Fraggle, I think. That stuff forever. Yeah, they're so good. And like, there's so many, there's so many, and just from a construction side of it, there's so many things they have to do and so many things they have to think about in order to get those nice, clean shapes. Like the, the original Sesame Street characters and how they're so clean and seamless. Oh. We losing a little bit. Yeah, it just went green for a second. It was weird. I don't know. That is weird. <laughs> now I'm I'm ghost. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of haunting. <laughs> He's, am I? Is my is my audio still coming through pretty good? Yeah, it's still. It is haunting. <laughs> um, that's a lot of fun. <laughs> My like they, they had to find materials to think it's like a hide. It's the October ish. It's the October episode. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, Yoda's a great Muppet. That's, that's such a good one to mention. I I think also like so many of the Fraggles are so cool looking, but also that the dog Sprocket on Fraggle Rock. He's oh, yeah. just just so cool. He's like such a, I also like Uncle Traveling Matt. I love his design and his character. Yeah, I just love the Fraggles. But Red Fraggle definitely stands out as, you know, the best one. And Karen, Karen Perel, I believe is the one who puppeteered her. And she's so good. And I think, I think she even went on to like help animate some of the original Pixar movies. They were like recruited her as well as a lot of other little, other Muppet, uh, early Muppeteers. Oh, wow, that's cool. Um, I recently saw the Secret Garden at um, Hill Center Theater, and they had these yeah. animals that they, they puppeteered. Um, and they, it, it was kind of a weird design. They were like kind of branchy. Um, have you seen the show or heard about it? I haven't seen it and I have, I mean, I, I think I may have in passing heard that they were doing the secret garden, but I, yeah, I'd love to see them. But th there's this dog and it. it's all kind so of- So how did they work? It, um, there, there was a, a puppeter working it out live on stage, but like they just had these certain points where it helped it jump. So I think it was like two- Oh yeah you know, two points for the movement, but they got so much movement out of it. And there was a dog, a couple of rabbits, uh, there's a bird, uh, geese. It was, it was really amazing. I'll see if I can track down some video or something of it. Cause it was just, 
yeah, really yeah. amazing. I, I wonder, yeah, I wonder who made the puppets. It sounds like they, were they, have you ever heard of the show uh, War Horse, like the original Broadway show? Yeah, I've, I've seen the movie, but I did hear about the Broadway show and they did the horse, horse that way. It sounds like. Yeah, and the horse, the horse, I mean, that that show has had a big influence on like the theater puppetry world because they they designed them very minimalistically, but I think the focus was on like the silhouette of the character and then also the the movement of it. And those like the warhorse puppets move so well and so like lifelike. And obviously they're punched up a little bit, but like they they just are able to like when you watch some of the footage of like Warhorse and that puppet and, the, and you know I think there's like three puppeteers doing doing the horse it, it just comes to life you I think they're able to to help the audience forget they're watching a puppet show and for, for a moment you kind of you you just you just think there's a horse on stage and it's pretty cool it also kind of reminds me of uh the Lion King you know when they had the big oh yeah scene. absolutely and then when Katy Perry was did yep. the Super Bowl, and she performed Roar, that was that huge lion or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I was lucky enough to see Lion King live, and that was it was a religious experience. Like the giraffe, like because we were up in the balcony, and the giraffe came up to the balcony, and just just the way they like integrated, like some of them were just puppets. But others were, you know, costume pieces that extended out and were puppeteered. But just like, just the aesthetic of it and how great it looked. And then also like to be able to get the movement they did from these very, like Warhorse, kind of simple puppets, but yet very, very complex performances that they were able to get from the performances. That that was quite a tangent we went off on. <laughs> um, I like it though. I could talk puppets all day. Oh yeah. What what situations are most creative for you? You know, like you said, working on those, um, the costume issues with her. What other situations were like? Yeah. You know, really kind of informational of you know maybe clearing things up in the next step or, you know, just producing more ideas. So I, I think, you know, especially with the context of like Neptune, having parameters, you know, I think really is something that like forces you to think creatively because if you just can do anything, I think you're gonna do what's easiest. So having parameters and having like specific things that like a puppet needs to do and needs to be, I mean, I, I think that's, I mean, it's just a recipe for creativity because it forces you to be creative because you have to do things a certain way. So like for Neptune, for example, um, I think one of the hardest puppets for me to build and I still look at the puppet and think like, ah, man, I wish, I don't know. I, 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 it's the one puppet that I feel like I never quite was able to nail was cashmere because like there's a lot of, you know, it's, it's difficult to make women's faces, basically. Like she's so, she needed to be so, yeah. you know, cute, but also kind of elegant. 
she needed to have certain movements, but like we designed her to have this big head um, and she, it just, it was just something, it was so difficult. And like out of all the puppets, cause I did mock-ups for the puppets and foam um, before committing to like the final, final thing. And I think we did close, I think we did eight mock-ups of her body and her face, trying to get the head shape right, trying to get the structure of the head so that it would hold all the wigs that she wore. And then the mouth, you know, was just tiny. And at the bottom, it was, you know, there was, she was so difficult and she looks simple because there's, I mean, like Harold, for example, is very complex. Like he's got all these wrinkles. He's got this big nose. He's got these like, these, you know, big cheekbones and, and everything. Like as far as like detail, he's definitely the most detailed, but ha the simplicity of cashmere and trying to make that look seamless and elegant was just so difficult. And so it definitely like going through that process, we definitely found ways of making, making the foam, like reinforcing the foam to where it stayed lightweight, but also kept the structure. So we had to be really creative with her. And she's the only real one with flowing also hair. Also Burke. Everybody else has yeah, know, she, kind of more set hair. Every, you know, I'll, yes, absolutely. So we, yeah, she, she wears, I think, seven different wigs, seven or eight different wigs throughout the first season. She's, she's one that we built um, three heads for so that she could have three different makeups <laughs> to match the different outfits. And then she had, I think, two different body types to fit the costumes. And then she also had to like hold a phone for most of the show. Like she was, she was a, yeah. There was a lot of things we had to like, a lot of boxes we had to check for her to be perfect. <laughs> A social so, influence, like, influencer, uh, I don't a know. Hassle. We tried yeah. our best and we, <laughs> yeah, 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 it was, it was a big hassle. She, yeah, man. Burke was another one, like those abs, those abs were tricky trying to get the, cause like the biggest challenge for all of these puppets was that we had to match, we had to make at least two of them. So like if we put a detail in one, we had to put that detail in the other and it had to look the same it had to be you know it's it's not we were like putting them on stage and they had to look the same on stage like these puppets had to be the same like it had to be able to in edit cut and then jump to another shot with that different puppet and make the audience believe that it was the same puppet which was a huge challenge so harold we had to map out completely we modeled them in in 3d and then we like um set everything out to where like all of his little wrinkles on his chin, we had to like mark and and like map each one of those things out. And then, yeah, it, it was it was a ton of work to try to match those. And so like, I don't know why, like it was the Burke's abs, getting those placement just right and making that look like they're the same body. But then also like Burke has these big arms that like movement for those is limited. Cause like when you go bigger, you get more material and that restricts the movement. And so finding ways to keep the bulk, but then also have movement. So there's there, I think each one of them had like very specific challenges 
a lot of different boxes they had to check. Yeah. The hair was a big problem for a lot of them. We, we yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a tough one to go into because we, yeah. Yeah, we did really, yeah. We built some wigs and they just didn't look good. And it was pretty close to the end when we had to finish. So we had to scramble to try to get these wigs to look nice. And even in Are the pilot, I don't know if anybody else noticed it, but what? Uh, go, go ahead. I'll let you finish what you were saying. I was going to say like in the pilot, like Susie's wig was a problem. The whole, the whole, the whole first episode, because like her, her, the pieces of her wig kept coming out. And so you'd set it for the first take. And then throughout the takes, it would slowly come out more and more. And it was just slowing down filming. And so for the, the small break we had between the first episode and the second episode, we had to scramble and figure out what to do for her hair. So it didn't come out all the time, which was Gadget who innovated that. I was I was asking, um, is production complete for this first season and how many episodes? There's 10 episodes. Production, like the filming is over um, and we're still working on the VFX side of it. So we're still like adding in different, um, you know, whatever it is like from burning screens into the different scenes for the televisions, removing some of the rods, um, erasing some of the puppeteer heads that popped into the shots, some of the fire effects that happens throughout the show. Um, yeah, a lot of different stuff. So I, I know they're still working on the VFX and then coloring, sound design, all that stuff. I think we've delivered over half of the episodes. Obviously we've delivered the first three because those are now yeah. available yeah. on the BYU TV app. Available on Apple TV, That's your been... phone, tablets, everywhere. Are they? Yeah, Are you I asking me? My... No, I'm. I was telling everybody. Oh, you can do it on Apple TV. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The BYU TV apps on yeah. there. That's where I watch all the BYU TV stuff. Um, do the creators? Oh yeah, have... yeah. Okay. Do the creators have uh, stories planned out for additional seasons already? If they gets picked up for more? I don't know. I mean, I know there is a plan. I, yes, there is a plan. Do I know what that plan is? I don't. I don't know like what the overall story arc would be, how they're gonna pick things up from the first season. Um, there's an obvious like tie-in for a second season. Well, that, that's a smart for all these characters because it's, it's nine years to Neptune, one year. So, I mean, we'd obviously like to. Yeah, you've got eight more years to get there. The plan and oh, yeah, the yeah, ending yeah. of season yeah, I don't, one. Yeah, I don't know. Yes. I was, yeah, I wasn't saying how the show was ending. Yeah, but like, obviously with the title Nine Years to Neptune, there's an obvious bridge to other seasons because we've got nine years to cover all the way yeah. to Neptune. 
Well, uh, hopefully you do better the Star Trek that had a five-year mission more seasons. was on three years, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're better than Star Trek, though, so. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I have one yeah, last so question because you, go ahead. I want to hear this question. Let's, okay. Let's do it. Well, our, our run of bonus questions is what does creativity mean to you? But I, I think you answered that uh, previously. And then the puppet one. And then um, in the movie of your life, who would you like to play you? I, I know his name. Um, dang, what's his name? What's that guy from Yes Dear? He's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna search for it real quick. He's the guy that I always get, um, when I was younger, people used to say that I looked like Ashton, Ashton Kutcher, obviously. Um, me? I can see Ashton. Would be Michael Malley. He's the... Oh, totally, yeah. Could be Michael Malley or... Yeah, right? Maybe, maybe Andy Richter. Could also be me. Some people say I look like a young Andy Richter, and I don't talk to those people anymore. But <laughs> yeah, my, Michael Malley is definitely a good fit. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Me and Mike. Sure. He's got he's got the tonality too. For sure. His hat game is on 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 point. I don't really agree. He's if you look at the images of fedoras. I'm not a fedora guy. I don't judge people who are. I myself just don't pull off the fedora. See, I, I can't find one my big vibe. enough. I've got a big head, so I can't get, find the right fedora for me. Yeah, I just can't wear suits that for non-formal occasions. I think uh, if you wear a fedora, there's other like from the neck down has to reflect the, the fedora energy. And I just don't have sure. that commitment to a hat. A hat's got to be <laughs> yeah. just like, here's, we've got a ball cap on because uh, it might be sunny today. So. Yeah. Who would so play what, you? I'm curious. I'm sure you've answered that before. Uh, Sean Astin is like in Stranger Things. I really connected with that, that version of him. Years ago, when I was younger, I thought Michael J. Fox, yeah. but I think I was deluding myself. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I'd I'd love to see a younger version of you played by Michael J. Fox. I'd I'd go with it. I'd buy into it. There's, there's a young picture of me where I look like Ron Howard as Opie. So maybe a young yeah, young me, Ron Howard. <laughs> um, but um, where can where people, can be yeah. So we mentioned the BYU TV app. Um, what what days does the show come out on there? Today, it comes out on Mondays. Mondays. I don't know if this is airing on a Monday, but yeah, it comes out on Mondays uh, at 5.30 Mountain Time. However, that translates to other times, I'm not sure. Still figuring out the daylight savings uh, situation. But yeah, you can watch it live on BYU TV, 5.30 Mountain Time, or you can watch it anytime on the BYU app. I think right now you can watch the first three episodes and the BYU TV app is free. 
You don't have to pay for it. Download it. Watch a lot of other good shows like Making Good and other shows that are Dwight on Shining that channel. Armor. <laughs> Dwight and Shining Yes. That's a great one. Uh, Wizard of Paws. We watched some episodes of that. Pretty, pretty uh, inspiring. All those are past guests that and? we've had on here. Wow. I, I feel like I'm, yeah, that's, that's an honor. You guys have had a lot of good guests. And then, no, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to self-deprecate myself like that. No, you're, you're, you're awesome. You do great work. I, I hope another season gets picked up so you can be stressed out for another series of months. Yes, I'd love it. Hopefully these puppets, I think these, we don't have to build puppets. We just have to refurbish them for the second season if there's a second season. But I don't think they'll make it past the second season. I think once, once the second season's over, we'll have to rebuild the puppets more than likely. And that's pushing it. In general, do puppets really have, uh, you know, can they really last long? Is there a big shelf life on them? The, yeah, potentially they can last for a long time, um, depending on the material. Um, these puppets have been through a whole whole production cycle. So that really puts wear and tear on the puppets, just as they're going for 12 hours a day, every day. So it's just, you know, the, like the sweat and we use special foams that are designed to where they don't break down. And we use, try to use materials that are very durable. Like the fleece we use is the same fleece they use for the Muppets. This, the foam is the same as the Muppets, but it, I mean, it just, it just takes its toll, you know? And, and, and part of that is also like, if it's on camera and in HD puppets, puppets can look real shabby real fast. I don't know if you've watched like the the Muppet Show since it's been been put onto like Disney Plus. Oh yeah, but they they refurbished all that. I mean they like whatever you know remastered the footage, and those puppets like they look kind of shabby because they weren't designed to be for an HD camera. So you can see the the pilling and stuff and some of the seams. Um, where like when you know you're gonna be high def, there's there's a lot you need to do to keep the puppets looking pristine so they, they they'll still go like these puppets i keep pointing over here because i'm in the room with the puppets they're like in trash bags and stuff yeah, and um, that camera there we go over there <laughs> yeah so those are like up there where's the camera these are like the original sophos puppets that we've designed okay. here's philippe and then you've got several of these are the actual neptune characters this is one whole cast here and they're in like plastic bags. They've been all disassembled and they're on like rods at 45 degree angles to help the, so that there's not just one point that that's resting on and, and deforming the foam. But yeah, they've got to look pristine. So, I mean, they'll still be functional and they'll still look pretty good. They just won't be camera ready. So we'll have gotcha. to build a whole new cast. Well, awesome. Well, I'll let you get back to it. So. Part, yeah. Uh, thank you for your okay. time today. And you know, I'll see you around town because yeah. we're we're in the same place. <laughs> we're yeah, yeah, we're right here. We should do lunch right sometime. Here. Yeah, sure. and, and send me the, the the thing about the the one artist behind you. Oh, we'll do. Yeah, Aaron Draplin, and he, he's been on the show yeah, too. Okay. When he comes to Utah regularly for design conferences, so 
Yeah, he's a really good okay. guy. And I'll find cool. out who that puppet artist is at um, for the Secret Garden because we had yeah, Jared Shipley awesome. on the show, and he he probably knows. So Jared Shipley, why is that so familiar? Like the guy who he, used to work he, at Evermore. Yeah, he used to work at Evermore, and he was in a well worked for Walt Disney Imagineering. Oh, I know Jared. Yeah, I thought his name was Josh. Okay. Josh, Jared. It's Josh. Is Josh Shipley? Yeah, yeah. Josh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Josh. <laughs> yeah, Josh. Josh is a good dude. Josh, we love you. Keep on trucking. Okay. Well, <laughs> it's been great talking. Great talking to you too. And um, see you around. Yeah, see you around. Bye. Bye-bye. The podcast is done, man. <laughs>